0: right, let's try that again. We're in January and it's 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Hi everyone, welcome to episode 7 of OuijaCast. We are in January and we are in 2020. Uh, This is episode 7, I probably already said that, so fuck. Um, This evening we have uh, Stu Kennedy, also known as Dog, uh, who's our special guest. So without any further ado, Stu, a bit of an intro from yourself.
1: Yeah, hi guys, I'm uh, Stu Kennedy, also known as Newbie Dog. Let me just get that bit out of the way, I think, first. A lot of people ask me, why Newbie Dog? right, I had a dog, massive German Shepherd. His name was Newbie. So when I was creating my online profile, I just went, I ain't got a fucking clue what I'm gonna call myself. You know, I never had really a social presence. So I just kind of looked at him and went, Yeah, you're dumb as fuck. No, dude. newbie dog, it was.
2: Oh, this is going to be and a good one. And that's where podcast. it came from. So. <laughs>
0: that's, that's, that's a good
1: one, huh? uh, So, yeah, an intro. So, I um, live in the UK. Uh, I work for a large global bank now. i uh, been doing security since, wow, since probably I was about 13, and I'm now 36. And also, I have a sore throat and cold coming, so enjoy that as well.
0: Always always good. I mean, I've got a sore throat as well, so I think it's pretty much Lurky lurky Cast. (laughs) Lurky
2: Cast, cast, yeah. I'm feeling alright. Just thought of Ben.
0: Well, fuck (laughs) you, Dave. You need to be (laughs) ill. Yeah, one of over. <laughs> kicking, kicking straight into it I mean on the last episode we talked with FC yeah. about cars to start off with and I think it's probably quite a good kind of starting point because a lot of our guests like cars unfortunately Steve didn't get a chance to chat about cars but alas, Stu we, I've heard you've got a race car
1: I do have a race car fight! I have two race cars Ooh. one is currently in a bare shell, uh, I'll put in a cage in next week Uh, And one is currently sat on my drive under tarpaulin, uh, ready to be stripped down and then put into the shell in my garage. Uh, But yeah, when listening to to last Ouija cast with FC, wow, what a collection, Mm what some stories, eh? Um, Some serious cars there. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about a few of my cars. Although I'm a big German fan and I generally don't buy anything other than German anymore, my first car was an XR2i. Oh, lovely.
0: Um,
1: and I loved that car, man. It was beautiful. It was proper red, white wheels. Retro. Went like shit off a shoulder. Yeah, proper, you know, real nice 80s car. And I took it to the garage one day because something was playing up. And I was like, right, I'm young, dumb and stupid. I haven't got a clue what the fuck I'm doing. Can you help me out? And this guy went, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then on, back in those, the uh, the bonnet opened to the front. So there was a reverse yeah. bonnet. And he opened up the bottom and the whole thing just fallen off. It had rusted all the way through. And he kind of looked at me and went, well, I don't know what your problem is, mate, but that's a problem there. And I went, oh, yeah, great. He said, what do you want to do with it? I went, do you want to buy it? And he went, nope. And what way? I was like, well, fuck, <laughs> that's me then. So, yeah, that one went to the kind of scrapyard. But uh, since then, heavily, heavily, Heavily into German cars, so Volkswagens mainly. So back, we're talking 12, must be 12 years ago now. um, I had a Mark 1 Golf, I've had a Mark 2 Golf, I had a Mark 4 Golf, and I have seriously modified some of these cars. And some of them have been show winners, uh, you know, uh, taken around the country and into Europe, uh, some serious time and effort put into these cars. Uh, from I uh, the the girl I was with at the time, she loved cars as well, and that's kind of how we met. And she said, "I want I want a Volkswagen Lupo and I want to make it unique." I was like, mm-hmm. okay, "Okay, okay." She went, "Right, I want to put a Audi TT dash right. and an Audi A5 interior into my Volkswagen Looper. <laughs> I
0: was
1: like, "Okay," and you know when you just think no 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 no. we're not doing that fuck that it's too much work and i just went you right, then
0: yeah.
1: and, and then literally within two weeks i had a t- audi tt dash that looked like it meant to be there mm-hmm. in this a5 interior <laughs> that i trimmed perfectly and it sat in there beautifully yeah man, i love cars i do i love absolutely anything about cars um and now I get to play around with classic Ferraris. Uh, I've got a Mercedes myself, and like I say, the race car is a Mark II Volkswagen Jetta. Um, it's got a, I put a VR6 engine in it, so it's nice and torquey, nice and quick, and it weighs less than a ton, and it really moves. Nice. However, the next race car is the one that's in the garage. Um, it's a Volkswagen Corrado. Now. Uh, the Volkswagen Corrado was the same era as the Mark II, Mark III Golf, and it did come in a VR6 variant. But it's a lot more sleeker. It's a coupe, okay. so it's only got three doors. It's a lot smoother body lines. Um, so I'm transporting everything over to that because for racing and competitive racing, you know, you want the smooth body lines. You don't want to be driving a brick on the track. So, so yeah, and cars. Heavily, Still heavily involved in cars, actually. You know, me and my friends, we still go to track days. I want to compete next year. This year, sorry, 2020. I want to compete in a few of the time attack races that are coming up. Um, But, yeah, my first track day is actually booked. I booked it last weekend at Cadwell in March. So I've really got to pull my finger out and get the fuck (laughs) on with this this car because at the moment, it's sat in the garage on axle stands with absolutely nothing attached to it. So, yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's cars, mate. Yeah, I will speak about cars all day, every day, as much as possible. But this, I'm sure, people are are wanting us to get into the nitty gritty of.
2: Well, I think there's probably a segue uh, in there somehow. Um, in regards to, so obviously, car hacking's a thing uh, now. Um, is that something you've ever been involved in? Oh, your, yourself Tolstu, I know, I know Andy, you've done kind of bits and bobs that were publicised, um, but yeah, is that, is that something you've done at all, Stu? I have actually, mate, and
1: Andy knows more than most people how deep a I've bit. actually got into <laughs> that. Um, yes, yes, I have. Um, car hacking is one of those things, uh, and it is such a broad spectrum, you, you know, what you see in the media... Um, from the Chrysler hacks a few years ago on the motorway uh, to what people are putting out now with the Teslas and uh, Volkswagens and Audis and even uh, a good friend of mine, Woody, who did the Ford Raptor recently uh, with Hack5. There's such a plethora of information out there that we can all pick against, but there's one area a lot of people are missing, and that is, yes, you can hack a car, Yes, they are all interconnected now. You know, they've all got GSM in them. They've all got, uh, actually, my Mercedes has got a SIM card in it. It's got GPS. It's got everything you would ever need. And I can put an app on my phone and start yeah. the car remotely. Do you know what I mean? So it's getting massively interconnected, and a lot of people focus on that. Um, so there's a few of us that have actually taken a step back and say, well, you know, that's great. Uh, Minty Net, oh, yeah. serious guy. Anybody you want to get into about car hacking, he is the guy. So Minty Net, Daniel Cuthbert, myself, and a few others, we really want to take it back to kind of what is car hacking. Is it stealing somebody else's car because you know for nefarious purposes, or is it actually getting it to do something it shouldn't be able to? So depending on what side of the fence you sit on, that's you know which way do you want to go with it if you want to steal a car why the fuck would you try and hack it yeah put the window yeah.
2: through it's not yeah maybe do not the mean, easiest option it's like, just, simple just as because that. you can't hack it doesn't mean that that's what you want to do <laughs> like or this easiest way like no yeah no, okay. I, I mean is there what's the biggest threats to your your kind of general day-to-day person that, that maybe has bought their first tesla like, right, and isn't maybe aware of the connectivity um what what kind of stuff <laughs> is that your kinda of, your general day-to-day person would maybe need to either be concerned about or is there anything they can even do in the first place? Like is it more down to the manufacturers?
1: Oh god, yeah. No 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 there's a lot of personal security to this. And actually, you know, what we're talking about now actually ties in greatly and I know I said no plugs.
0: no, it's all good at the beginning it's
1: all good. when we spoke. Um I'm I'm writing a book at the moment on your own risk process and we're gonna go through from your personal risk, your procedural risk, to the stuff you own, to the stuff you have, to the stuff you want, everything around you, how you work, how you live, everything. And I wanna put that into that context. So let's take a car for example, you've just bought a brand new Mm -hmm. Tesla car. Do you really understand how connected that car is? Do you understand that a lot of the data is going back to Tesla, <laughs> right? Like, I'll give you, for example, my Mercedes. I cannot do anything on my Mercedes without it going back to Mercedes itself. Mm.
0: Do you
1: know what I mean? So is that
0: via the kind of in-car system, or is it just got callbacks?
1: Yes, it is, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. it has got massive callbacks. Because it's got a SIM card in there, and I can use my app, part of their privacy policy is they use that data to be able to make your experience better. Yeah, great, but what else can they do with that data? And as those we all know, data privacy, personal privacy, GDPR and all that crap is there for a reason, but actually, do we really understand that big data effect of it? So that's kind of what we're going to go with. But anyway, so you get this guy, he's got a brand new Tesla, he understands those risks. The second risks are, where is he parking it? How is he parking it? Does he have full visibility? Is there security lights covering it? Is it on his drive? Does he have gates, you know, access points? Uh, Is it connected to his home Wi-Fi as well as his mobile Wi-Fi? Blah, 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 blah. And you can go on forever, you know, for a long time going through these different areas. It's about letting the people know what the risk is. You know, it's like the Tesla thing. Yeah, you've got shining, um, sorry, the Alexa thing. You've got a brand new Alexa, sign your kitchen, and you go, oh, you know, Alexa, set time of 10 minutes. Alexa, play this song. Alexa, order me that shit. Order me this shit. Do this, do that. And then everyone goes, oh, but they're, they're listening to all of yep. your comms. Yeah, but that's what you want as a consumer. Why else would you buy it? Yeah. But then they go, oh, well, you know, it's the evil and the privacy thing. I'll oh, understand the risk of it, guys. Come on. If you're planning to buy, Bomb an embassy or a mass murder of 10,000 people. Okay, guess what? Someone is going to go, guys, I've got someone on this call that was recorded six months ago. Uh, la, la, la. You know what I mean? So it's about understanding yeah. the risk. I've got an Alexa downstairs. It works fucking great for when I'm cooking because I set about eight thousand and I'm like, <laughs> right, those peas need to go on in ten minutes flat. Those, you know, those burgers need to go in in three minutes flat. And then I tell Alexa what I need, and she tells me. And then it makes it easy. You yeah. know what I mean? So there's always well, that always... effect. <clears throat> but going back to the original question is: people buy all new shit with all loads of new technologies. Do they understand the risks of using these technologies? no they don't they understand what the media wants them to you know as you see in the news a lot of stuff about Facebook Twitter Google Tesla Mercedes whatever it is we only see the bad things but the good things are you're a consumer you wouldn't buy if you wanted it do you know what I mean so there is a big well, we like, there's always like two sides things, to the that, story isn't there
0: that's the way it? we operate like, I... well, fuck yeah mate I, I, I'll
1: i buy anything mm-hmm. the shiny eye will and then I'm like, oh, maybe that's not so good. I'll I'll turn that off. Yeah. But there's not much stuff, mate. In all honesty, in my life, um, yes, I am privacy aware, I'm security aware. I now have Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Uh, I don't have LinkedIn because I don't really like the aggressiveness of people on there. But you know, I understand why they exist, and they do
2: exist. They they exist yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Use it because it may benefit you at some it's point. It's just that kind and of toss it... up between your privacy uh, and you know, obviously the service that's being provided. So I, I'm really torn when it comes to the things like Alexa, uh, Google Home, in the sense that I grew up a, a massive Star Trek fan. Like the idea of talking to my computer is not has never been all that crazy. The whole concept behind that sounds so fucking Fuck yeah, man. but. I still don't own one despite the fact that technology is superb, like right? the ability then, in actually watching the progress of how well Google Assistant um, even just on your phone has managed to progress over Recognizes the last five the, such years, accent. yeah, that's yeah. It. we have a difficult accent Should... to pick up and I don't remember the last time it got it wrong right? but, so, and like you say for cooking, stuff like that, there's, there's a convenience there but it's well, I guess, what is the hidden cost? <laughs> And as as that cost your practice? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so
1: look, it, oh, God, yeah, you know, massively. It's how – understand the risk of the data being in their hands. That's bottom line. Yeah. What can they do with you? If you are Joe Bloggs and you work a nine-to-five and you have got a happy life, a happy wife, kids, whatever, you know, you are this staple f- person of this society, why the flying fuck? Would anybody be looking at you in detail to exploit you? Exactly. They're not going to, are they? The only people that want to exploit you are cyber criminals or criminals. You know, you put them in the same group. It's about understanding that, you know, Amazon are not going to turn up one day and go, right, we know this about you give us $10,000.
2: Well, they might not do it I mean, directly, they might, do. You they might know. do it in a roundabout way. So my biggest concerns are, I've, I've heard some rumblings about, uh, obviously, I know South Park did a bit in this when all the kind of voice this, and so I think it was that Christmas where you know, that was the hot thing to have. Right? And they had, like, yeah, yeah. the Alexa talking to the Google Home, talking to uh, the Apple equivalent, yeah, and they were yeah. all kind of going off. <laughs> uh, and it was hilarious. Uh, but uh, I've heard a more kind of nefarious but similar thing. Uh, or, or, sorry, I should say, whilst that was going off on the episode, if you also happened to own one of these voice assistants, then yours was also going off as well because it was just hearing the audio through the TV. Uh, but my concern there, I guess, is... Uh, I've heard some rumblings that they're kind of matching... So, you say you've got a Google Home next to your television and a Google advert comes on TV, and there was rumblings that it might be listening to that to see when you're watching television. Now, I don't know if that's true. It wouldn't surprise me, the technology is there, but I think my concern with those kind of things are what's happening, not not when I'm actively asked the device something, but what happens when I accidentally hear something that sounds like, OK, Google, you know, and... That's a massive concern, yeah. but the You're so good. Like, oh,
1: God, yeah. It's so good. But then that's that's another discussion, isn't it? If but One thing that I have learned in all of my time is when you are talking about uh, kind of the analytics of people, what is the biggest thing that captures everybody? And it's advertising. So it doesn't matter where you are, what you do, you know that if I – like now, if we're talking about something, Alexa, Google, whatever – I guarantee in the next 10 minutes, if I look at my phone, I'm going to start seeing adverts for these. It's how yep. it works. And we need to understand that. But there's a massively dark side to advertisement regime of what are they doing with our data? we got to remember, we are their product at the end of the day. Who are they selling it to? All that kind of crap. And it does get very dark the deeper you go. But again, understand the mm. risks of that. I agree with you, man. I, I do 140%. I don't like that the, the, me and the me and the missus can be talking about something, and then she's getting adverts, I'm getting adverts. It's fucking coming on the TV. It's on the radio. It's in my you know whatever. Yes, it's scary, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, we as pull are a product, aren't we? At the end of the day, we are.
0: It's the times that we live in. I mean, re- realistically, the companies like Google, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Amazon that oh, their man. their product is data. That they, they we, are. We are live. Yeah,
2: we are living in that Blade a yeah. time.
0: Yeah. We're
2: probably just at the start, you know, but, which is the, the, I mean, more and more integrated, every device, every, that. I'm at, see if you had all yeah. the possible data from every device that you've got in your house, and I suppose Google probably are the closest to this or having that uh, ability to do so, like, what kind of picture do you paint of somebody, like, and... Uh, just by adding all that data Mate. together, like, and especially when you maybe <laughs> not humans are analysing it, but computers, and we're pretty predictable as a species in some regards. I'm just, I, I, I want to know what they got. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to know what they know. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: you, you put you put those data sets into machine learning AI. You get. Well, let's let's talk about scenario. You've got Facebook, Google, all these other entities that know a lot about you. And then you look at your banks. What do they know about you? You're spending your expenditure. And then you've got stuff like ancestry. A lot of people are putting shit into ancestry. So then whoever goes, right, I'll buy that. I you know, let's talk about the one that got caught, Cambridge Analytica. Mm. Yeah. What data did they have? How much have we actually seen of that? And what did they actually do with that mm. data? Big questions. You know, if you put that into Spectrum, that is a massive ink collection on a lot of people, and you can plan and map people's lives down to the minute. And it's scary, it is scary if you think about it like that, but how much of a tinfoil hat are you realistically going to wear that you cannot function in daily life anymore? Mm.
2: It's, yeah. You know, I saw a piece. it's difficult, I isn't saw it? I saw a piece from, I think it was... Uh, the New York Post, I, I might be wrong about that, but um, it was about private companies that, um, uh, I think they managed to get some data for a, for a couple of private companies, I'm not sure if it was uh, some whistleblowers, but it was uh, showing you, it was like uh, 5 million people in the, uh, a US town or a city, I think it might be New York, if I'm assuming it probably was. Um and it was showing the mobile phone beacons. Like so there was five billion of those. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw that. It yeah. You a really, really nice uh a big map. So it's showing you yeah, i think um let's just call it Manhattan. And it shows you, you know, the milled, it was, I can remember you know. it.
1: It was yeah, it was the White House. Yeah. They did loads of different areas. Yeah. yeah, it was the um but no, no, no. Yeah, which was New York Times, right? interesting.
2: Right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So the thing is, like, and I, I've been talking about a lot about this over Christmas with different people. In that specific article, is it, it was just really when they show you all the dots. So there's there's obviously hundreds of thousands of dots in these photos of all the different mobile phones, of all the different people that have got them. But it's when they start narrowing down into one person and it starts becoming no longer just a figure. Like, you're not just a figure, you know, it it becomes personal. And then they start showing you the tracking of that person over 24 hours and the picture that you can build up there. And for, like you say, for your Joe blogs day-to-day... Like, that might not be a massive issue, but what if you are, like, you know, a CEO of a company or someone very influential, even uh, members of parliament, that sort of thing? Like, what if the amount of damage you can do there just by looking at that data and saying, well, they're not in their house nine five on these days. Like, we can go rob them then, like, or go steal their data, you know, physically. You know, it opens up a lot, and these are private companies that have this information. Like, and... It's so difficult to understand who even has your data a lot of the time, and that's insane. Yeah, like, you don't have ownership yeah, of it yeah. at the end of the day. But... Oh god, no! Right. You don't own anything
1: anymore. No. You really as don't. As as you. Remember, you line... are the product. Yep, that's yeah. right. It's good. And you know, I, and this will become apparent. You know, we'll go through the questions that you've sent me, but this will become apparent why I think like this. And you know, a lot of people will disagree with me, and a lot of people will have the opposite opinion, and I get it you know it all depends on what you deem as risk but this data set you are talking about okay i'll give you a scenario right someone does something really fucking bad kills a lot of people who is the first entity that people turn to and ask why did this happen
0: intelligence services
1: intelligence services right and then you go to them you say right Whoever they are, three-layer agencies is, you know, whatever. Why did you not spot this? And they go, because you fuckers said we weren't allowed to get this data. Okay, why aren't you getting this fucking data? So, do you see where I'm going with this? You can yeah. say all day long, I do not like you collecting my data. And then you go, okay, brilliant. No one's collecting my data anymore. We live in a privacy-free world, blah, 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 blah. blah. Then something happens and you go, why the fuck did not pick up on this? Why are you letting these people get away with it? Mm-hmm. And the answer will be, well, I'm not allowed to. So what What do you want us to do? Do you understand what I'm going yeah. with that? And it will become apparent, yeah. obviously, the more we go through the, the, the chat. But people are always the first to cry when you know, when the authorities that they believe in and that, they, that, that, that exist don't do their job because they can't do their fucking job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, they're restricted by what they can get yeah. access to. Oh, God, I, mean, yeah. I, I know a lot of people that do work in, in said industries and certainly the intelligence community is very... I mean, they have access to a lot of things, but they are still limited by the, yeah, the of factors course, yeah. of... Yeah. Like RIPA, for example, the the Regulation of Investigative Powers Act that was meant to be put in place. it restrict, restrict Well, I don't know if they've actually managed to put it through yet or if they're still trying to, but that was to grant the, the intelligence and security services more access to data and there was so much pushback from... The infosec community, privacy-focused people, and yeah. various other bits and pieces. But it's exactly as you say. It's it, when, when kind of big. I suppose there are like decapitation events happen. So like when serious security breaches of the UK or Five I or any other country in the in, in the world is it, is breached. People people do turn to the security services, and if they don't yeah. have that data, then they, they can't one they can't predict it, and two they can't triage as to what the fuck's going on, how it's going on. They'll have a rough idea because they'll have feeds from other agencies that maybe aren't tied by said laws, but it's a bit of a grey area when it comes to intelligence. Uh, and then they you've got things like counterintelligence right? as well. Yeah, no, it's it's always going to be a, a kind of grey area. Mm, it seems yeah, like I, always mean, will the, be. I wonder
2: if you had side by side the information that authorities have. And you put that side by side with some of the information that maybe Cambridge Analytica or some of these private companies that have you know your, your kind of mobile location information. Like, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming law enforcement would be required to probably to get things like warrants to access that. And obviously, yeah, that's yeah. time sensitive. So that, I'm really curious about that. Yeah. Side
1: of so that, that's generally how it works now, isn't it? You know, you, if you're looking at uh, your, your agencies, your law enforcement, your governments, if they cannot get access to data because they don't own the data, they are within their right, you know, depending on where you live mm-hmm. and where you're from, they're quite in their right to say, hey, guys, give that data up because, you know, people are going to either lose their lives or yep. they're not. And it, it, we, it will go always come around in circles. Mm-hmm. It's like VPNs. People go, yeah, use a VPN because it keeps you secure. Yes, it does. It keeps you secure to a degree. Understand that. Understand that it's not going to protect you against law enforcement or foreign intelligence services if you are going through their country. It's like if you disappear through Tor Network, 99% of the chance you are going through... A government <laughs> yeah. endpoint. Yeah, I mean it was yeah. made you by them. Understand that? Yeah, exactly. It was made by the U.S. Navy. What do yeah. you expect? And I mean, like yeah. you know, a lot of VPN <laughs> providers say we protect your privacy. Yes, you do. You hide a lot of my data, but when it comes out of an endpoint, it's still the same fucking data. Yeah. Yeah. It's not encrypted. You know, so what you do and what you see out there is two different things. Mm. Yeah. And I think people just need a bit more realistic world of there's a risk. Of course, there's a fucking risk. But understand what the risk is and then start mitigating that risk how much ever you want. Yeah. And, and and again, not to plug shit, but that's kind of where I want to go with this book is, guys, wake the fuck up. This is real life. Don't be putting on tinfoil hats at every second because life doesn't require it. Mm. You, you know, yeah. I, I've met some people amazing people, and I'll never forget these people, and some of them are, I would class, extreme paranoid based, yep. Like to the point where they will not stand in certain places, they won't do certain things, they won't go through certain areas, I get it guys, if that's how you want to live and that's how you want your life to be, I get it, EFF do a brilliant job, the supporters of EFF do an amazing job, Privacy International do an amazing job, Guess what? So do the intelligence agencies. Yep. They do an amazing fucking job too. Yeah, so, right. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's I, I've definitely found with the maybe I think it's about six months now. I've been kind of studying this particular area, and obviously uh, having worked in it a bit as well. Um, that that's the tinfoil tin foil hat you're talking about. Like, is really sometimes hard to take that fucker off. Like, I've, I found that a lot of the time when I'm, I it's certainly I question a lot more. For example, I like, obviously now. Since when I started, I probably had the, the, some of the worst password hygiene that exists. I've now got you know, a relatively good one, but <laughs> that came from the tinfoil yeah. hat. Like, I had that hat on Dude, while I was it doing that stuff, but it's just knowing maybe when to take that hat off <laughs> do you know, but or take it less seriously. Yeah. But do you know what's changed?
1: In the time you've been doing this, in the time you've been in Infosec, it's your education. Yeah. You have learnt more about what is and what is not, and you take whatever risks that you deem fit Mm. to have a normal daily life if that's what you want. If you really were paranoid, you wouldn't even use your mobile fucking phone. You wouldn't be doing... An online podcast. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly, You yeah. understand the risks and you now know what to do to mitigate yeah. the risks. And there's a lot of people out there, unfortunately, that get blinded by the media because of the scaremongering yeah. or the wrong information. Fortunately, Infosec is really fucking bad for this. Yep. scare
2: fucking people.
0: It, I think it's maybe but because people hopefully think they'll get
2: much out of it. Like, or maybe they need to... Have Some people will. Like... People- uh,
0: People will get work out of it, but it's it's more that like I hate to say it, but infosec's full of cunts. Like it be, is realistically, cunts. it is full of cunts. <laughs> it's Full of people who are scaremongering. And are like oh, uh, watch out for this shit. Oh, if we if we hack your TV, you're gonna fucking die. Like it's total nonsense. It's just yeah. Yes, some Put people get work out of it, guys. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, exactly
2: that. So yeah, in regards to you saying that you don't want to plug stuff, like that's part of the reason why we have this podcast here is to actually. Like it comes down to education. Everything comes down to education. Like it sounds Fuck like this yeah. book's going to be all about education. Like, right? and so th- that's yeah, why yeah. we got it's not this here in the platform. Like, it's about actually trying to get information to people. Like, as I say, my mum yeah. listens to this podcast. So if I can, uh, so it's good when we start getting <laughs> perspectives, just like the ones you're talking about. So feel free yeah. to plug anything you're doing. Like, <laughs> it's not a problem at all. It,
1: you know, and, and one thing I want to say is, you know, a lot of people, Andy, we've spoken a long. A long time about the book that you wrote, the book that you're writing, and stuff like yeah. that. I'm not writing a technical book. I don't need to write a technical book. There are tons and tons of technical, uh, you know, resources out there. But if you look at how risk, people's risk appetite, and, and what they perceive in education, in, in InfoSec, and what is going on, I haven't seen anything that fills that gap. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And, so I feel it's my duty now, because I've done this for a long time and I've educated for a long time, that this is my giving back. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not the most technical person, and 99% of the time I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> and honestly I, honestly, I am the first one to admit, guys, that I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm doing. But do you know what? I'm big enough and ugly enough to go, but I know the right people to ask, I know what to ask, and I've got a mentality that will fucking dominate. Yep. And that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. That's, that's I suppose that's,
0: that's quite quite a good segue into some of the questions. I suppose you talked about you've been in this game long enough. Like, How did you actually get into this game?
1: <laughs> right. So this is going to go really <laughs> fucking dark. Anyone listening from the law, any law enforcement agency, any government, whatever, you didn't hear this. It's not true. This is all fictional. So... <clears throat> Uh, I've always been into computers. It's one thing that my dad really left a legacy for me. It, you know, he's still alive, but he said, and he's a brickie by trade, and he's still a brickie, you know, at 67 years old, he's still putting houses up, mm-hmm. bless him. Um, and he said to me, Stu, you are too fucking smart to be putting bricks up outside in the rain. Like, okay. And he went, you are going to learn computers. Right, fine. So from a very young age a very yeah. young age and I'll try and dig out a photo and I'll put it up on Twitter <laughs> me I must be about six and I've got a Commodore 16 in my hands Commodore 16 with an old green screen CRT mate and I fucking loved it <laughs> you know and, and um, FC was on about it last time that he had to go through books writing code in, in basic Man, I fucking love those days. I spent weeks and weeks and weeks writing code to get a pixel to bounce around the fucking screen. It was brilliant. But, you know, that that got me into it. So then, obviously, from there, I started getting more into computers. Technology was being upgraded, so I got Commodore 64 and Amiga, blah, 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 blah. And then gaming machines started coming out. So, I, you know, I got Omega Mega Drive, SNES and all that kind of crap. But I always wanted... A computer. I always needed some form of PC-based system, so I got a 386, 486, and then the Pentium Tuesday came out, and I was like, "Fuck me, this is amazing." (laughs) Anyway, so you know, I've always been very computer-focused from a very early age, and it's it's probably reason why I'm so logical. Either is or it is not because it's kind of the world that I've grew up in. For me. Do you know what I mean? that was presented to me by my parents. It is or it is not. You either do or you do fucking not. Simple as that. So, my career, do oh, not well, really a career. I ain't got a fucking clue what it is. I'm just doing <laughs> shit. <It's
2: laughs> having fun. But what I do for a
1: living <laughs> um, started probably when I was about 13, 13 14. Yeah. Um, and back in the three eight six four eight six days on Windows three point one, you really needed to know what the fuck you were doing on that computer, because if you changed a a config file like autoexec.bat or or anything like that, you could really screw your machine up, and it was down to. Right, you've now got to format it, or you've just popped the memory, or you, you corrupted your hard drive. You've got to get a new hard drive. And back then, computers weren't cheap, man. Yeah. They, you know, I remember having a few gig a few megabyte hard drive that I absolutely destroyed because I thought I was being fucking clever, and I wasn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so getting into kind of tweaking, that's where that came from. You know, yeah. fucking around with computers, doing that kind of bit. The security side, uh, I'm, I'm not really sure where that came from. I, can, I think it's just been a natural progression. Yeah. So when I was 15, sorry, 16, just left school, literally the summer I left school, I went to work with my dad to earn a bit of money over the summer holidays. And I was um, just a kind of a laborer for the gang working in Reading. And I was earning enough money to buy myself a laptop. And it's the first ever time I'd had a laptop. So I bought myself this Pentium 2 laptop. It was so fucking slow. But it had Windows 95 on it, mm-hmm. ICQ, and, you know, I was in all the chat rooms uh, thinking I'm the big I am and stuff like this. <laughs> and uh, and through these chat rooms, I got introduced to whereas. Oh, yeah. So, you know, back in the day, Whereas was huge because you, there was a central repository for you downloading software, games, music, whatever. And I got really interested in that to the point where I set up my own Whereas website uh, and it was quite successful, Whereas a website um, and a lot of people put into it. But what I found was I was running out of space very fucking quickly. And back then, the premium <laughs> was space, you know. Space was expensive. Yep. And the people who had space, they were big entities. So, what did we do? Right, well, back then everyone was on IRC, massively on IRC. Um, and a few people will remember this: XDCC hacking. So, you're able to hack SMB share across the fucking globe uh, because back then yeah. they, North Session was so easy to get. Um, and you just literally popped a box because of null session, you got straight in and you own that share. And then you could do the old uh, uh, admin dollar sign or C dollar sign and you get admin privileges, blah, blah, blah. You carry on, so on and so forth. Back then, it was fucking easy to do, um, Really easy to the point where we were loading back orifice on there and just uploading shit. Um, <laughs> and then we were going crazy, absolutely crazy to the point where. There was a European hospital live on the internet, and I took over all of their servers and started hosting where it's on there. And that was kind of my introduction to hacking, so to speak. Um, back then, Hacker's Film was quite big and it was out, you know. Classic. And that, my God, I remember watching that in the hotel room uh, in Reading, and I just went, that is what I want to do. So yeah. that just, that just, <laughs> like, it just, changed something about me and I just went, That is so fucking cool. Yeah. So literally that night, uh, I got my dad to run me down to back then was called uh, Curry's um yep. and I said I need a telephone line. I need you to buy me a telephone line. And he was like, Yeah yeah no problem. I was like right, got it. And in my laptop I had a, it had a built in modem. I was like fuck yeah I've got this. Right. So in the in this air this B and B that we were staying in. I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning. I went outside. I pulled all of the carpet up down this hallway and I ran this telephone line down, all the way down this hallway, down some stairs and into this phone socket. And I sat on the Internet, mate, for four days.
0: <laughs>
1: Back then, there was an ISP called Free Name, and it gave you two hours free. Uh, and then would disconnect you but then you just had to reconnect
2: and you got yeah. two hours free on a, a 56k modem I remember the AOL that, demo discs so I was a, yeah, bit, a bit too young for this oh, but yeah. uh, my big sisters certainly uh, were using them so it would be like 53 hours here, mm. 53 hours there like. yeah, yeah 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 so we would
1: exploit that and, and literally because it was an 0800 number could be on it all fucking day and we just tied up I just tied up the phone lines for four days um and my dad was like, what are you doing? You're going to get caught. You're going to get us kicked out. And I was like, no, no, no that'll be fine because I'll turn it off when we go to work in the morning. And I did, you know, so they have phone lines a day. But when it got late at night, I just like literally took over. And that was kind of my my way into doing stupid shit. Back then you had um, the Jolly Rogers cookbook. <laughs> I don't know if you've read it or seen it. If you haven't. yep. Honestly, guys, you need to read this because this was anarchy back for me when I was a kid. Um, and that kind of got me started into the hacking thing. Then I decided, right, I can't do this bricklaying shit. It's it's manual work. It's in the fucking rain. It's cold. I need to do computers like, you know, yeah. I want to do.
2: Follow your passion. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I actually didn't go and do computers. I went to college to do electronic servicing um, instead. Uh, for some random reason, I have no idea why. Yeah. And while I was there, I met a guy called Dave. Dave was his real name and his, his, his internet name <laughs> was Morglum. I'll never forget it. And he come to me and said, Stu, you know about computers? I was like, yeah. And he said, have you ever programmed? I was like, only, you know, back then if you programmed HTML, you were fucking king dick. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I programmed HTML. And he was like, yeah, great. Have you ever programmed C? And I went, no, what is it? And that got me intrigued. And he said, right, I program a multi-user dungeon. I was like, what the fuck is that? And he went, it's an online game. And yeah. as soon as he said that, I was like, wow, an online game. And what Imagine. it was is for people who don't know, is a text-based game you played through a Telnet client. You connected to there and you went, move left and run 10 fucking feet forward, kill that dragon or whatever it was. And he hosted and he ran one of the biggest ones online at the time. And he said, I need some help. I'm, I'm looking to do bits and pieces, but I can't do it all on my own. So that's that was kind of my introduction to programming. So not only have I got, you know, the kind of hacking side, the wear side, I'm starting to learn stuff about internals computers. I've got the, you know, configuration of computers. Now I'm learning about programming as well. Um, and then he came to me one day and said, you've got an Xbox, haven't you? I was like, yeah. And he said, have you had it chipped? I was like, no. He went, bring it round. We'll chip it. I was like, what the fuck? This is like magic. And we <laughs> chipped it. And we chipped it. And I must have copied thousands of games on that machine. And I was like, this is unreal. How the fuck have people worked this out?
0: Yeah. And at, the,
1: at that time, there was a website called Xbox Scene. I don't know if it's still going. Yeah. Um,
0: it's not. My, my mate, actually, sorry to cut in, a guy a guy I know also called Dave, was one of the kind of pioneers in Xbox hacking. Okay, like he, he, he wrote the the JTAG hacks for the 360 and the Xbox and the PS2. Nice and stuff one. That. He's, he's known as c for Eva on uh, okay, online
1: yeah, I've never no. heard that, but so anyway, he got me introduced to yeah. all this politics and he said, Right, I need to write an FTP program for um, um I can't remember the name of it. Um, It'll come to me. Um, but it was kind of, you know, you reflashed uh, the the operating system, so to speak, on the original Xbox, and it gave you your own menu. It was a bit like um uh, X-B-N-E? Xbox. I don't know, like fuck, someone no, like that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and um, he said, I, I, I'm with this group. They're doing this, um, and I, I, they've asked me to write this FTP um, client server-based thing for for that software and I was like well I can help you out if you want and we did that and we wrote it but then I got kind of sidetracked a little bit into writing keyloggers and Trojans and fucking <laughs> words and all this kind of stuff yep. um yeah you know and, and that's kind of where that started but then uh yeah a bit of a turn in my life at the time I was being fucking stupid I was 16 17 yep. um, and unfortunately with a friends I I had at the time we were stealing cars joyriding you know doing really stupid fucking stuff and one of my friends got caught um after crashing a car and seriously injuring his girlfriend um and went to prison and that was kind of a wake up call yeah and I just went do you know what? I can't I can't be around here I've got yep. to leave um and I went I'm not disciplined, you know, I've got self I've got a lot of self-discipline myself and I just went, I can't be here. Yeah. And I walked down the street into town and I went to the Armed Forces Career's Office and I went, I wanna join the army. And the guy behind the desk was like, Yeah, 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 okay, mate. Looking at this fucking skinny little scroat wanting to join the army and he went he went <laughs> So what do you want to do? And I went, I want to fly fucking helicopters. And he just laughed at me. And I was like, okay, you want what's wrong with that? And he went, you're not flying helicopters, mate. And he went, what grades you got? And I went, I haven't got any grades. He went, you're definitely not flying fucking helicopters. In fact, I would suggest you're not going to get into the army. And that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? What I need grades in the army. You know, because I was, you know, where I come from, it's uh, it's just fucking RAF bases and army bases all around me. And I was like, well, I need grades to get in the army. And he went, well, actually, look, you see that guy over there in the blue uniform? Go speak to him. What what interests have you got? And I went, well, I do a lot over with computers. He went, perfect. And he went, right, go speak to that dude over there in the blue top and tell him you want to join... Uh, the RAF signals I went okay not really knowing what the fuck he was talking about I walked over to him and I went uh, that, my, that bloke over there has just told me to come and speak to you about RF signals and he went right, mate come with me fuck me okay <laughs> so literally we did the interviews and stuff like that and, and yeah that's kind of where my armed forces career started and do you know what it was fucking the best thing I ever did, ever did. So I joined the armed forces and my first unit, silly enough, was a tactical unit um, and I didn't do really anything computers. Yes, I was, uh, my trade was uh, communications. Yep. So we did a lot with IT, a lot with radios, stuff like that. Um, but I think I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. It was good fun. You know, I built full A networks on NT and uh,
2: Windows uh, NT4 platforms and stuff like this, big Linux networks. Uh, the big... discipline as well that must've came with, with, yeah, with that just purely being in the armed forces, just from what you went, you know, as you say, you've obviously seen that it's time for you to take a different path. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that must've been absolutely Yeah, painful. that made me mate.
1: And, and there's one thing, and I'll always say this, you know, if, the force will, will either make or break you. Um, and I will stand by that. And it made me, yeah. it really did make me. Um, but it also taught me a lot of lessons about life. Uh, you know, being part of a tactical unit, um, at the time of, uh, September the 11th, uh, with the mm-hmm. towers, um, I just joined, I would literally just joined the armed forces. Uh, and my first deployment was Telic One. um, yeah, uh, you know, and I learned a lot about life, a lot a lot, a lot of skills deployed in the field with uh, infantry and stuff like that, and I fucking loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people say, you know, to me, they go, well, you know, you, you've you been to Iraq, you've been to Afghanistan, what was it like? And my honest opinion of that is, it is what you fucking make it. If you don't want to be there, it's going to be shit. It's going to be really shit all of the time. But if actually you experience what it is to be there and you put everything you can in because, you know, that's what you're there to do. Um, It will teach you some really valuable stuff. And it did, mate. It it, it taught me a lot. But anyway, so I I did my tactical unit. I was on tactical unit for six years. So there was a lot of deployments to nice hot sandy places. Um, And while I was in this tactical unit, um, a guy come up one day and He was the, he got sent out for some reason. And I said, what are you doing here? And he went, well, something's wrong with your server. I was like, fuck, what have I done wrong? And he went, no, 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 it's nothing to do with you. I'm part of a tiger team. I was like, what the fuck's a tiger team? This was all new to me. And he went, oh, we do uh, IT security. We look at the systems and something is wrong because yours is giving us issues back in the UK. I was like, right, you need to tell me a little bit more. And he explained what he did uh, and what unit he was part of. Uh, And what they did was they were uh, the IT security really for all three services at the time. Um, And they did everything from uh, TSCM to OPSEC to INC to you name it. They did everything. I just went That is where I need to be in my life. Mm. So that's what I did since I left uh, the tactical unit and I went to work uh, in a bunker. um, That was the focus of what I wanted to do. Um, And it took me two years to get there. uh, Of learning, self-taught, self-teaching, just doing as much as I could on IT systems to learn enough about security. I went Mm. for an interview at this unit and I got it. Uh, And that was kind of... Oh, she wrote there. Um, And I ended my career there in this, um, we'll we'll call it an InfoSec unit uh, in the armed forces. And it was good fun, really good fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, I got medically discharged from the armed forces uh, due to a a calamity of extreme fucking portions um, that really fucked my shoulder up. Um, So it removed me from the forces. So... Um, at the time, I was like, well, this is what I want to do. Uh, you, and you learn a lot about – you do learn a lot about the industry while in the armed forces doing InfoSec because you have to be involved in it. You have to keep up. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have any social media <laughs> profiles, didn't do any of this kind of stuff because I wanted that OPSEC. Simple as that. Um, so I was like, right, I'm fucking coming out. What, what, what am I going to do? And a lot of guys – were going to do compliance jobs, like writing arm ads and doing ISO 27001 and, uh, you know, CISP kind of crap. And I was like, that, that that's not for me. It's yep. it's not aggressive enough. I want to start getting into really offensive stuff. So, um, and this is kind of my one of my thank yous uh, that I wanted to, to put out there. I was on a course at 7Safe down in Cambridge, and a guy walked in, South African guy, he walked in, and it was a web hacking course, um, and he walked in with his laptop, he sat down, and he, he introduced himself, his name was Glenn, uh, Glenn Wilkinson, and uh, so the teacher's going through this stuff, and he just went, is there any chance I can do the exam? <laughs> what? And we're all sat there like, what? I'm like, busting a bollock here, trying to get SQL working on this fucking uh, this vulnerable machine. And he's like, yeah, can I do the exam? And I just went to him, who do you work for? And he went, yeah. <laughs> I work for SensePost. It's a South African company. Um, and we do offensive security. And I just went, can I have a business card, please? Um, and then pretty much he did the exam, uh, passed it, and walked out the door. And I was just like, holy fuck. you've just blown my mind, you know, literally blown my mind. (laughs) So anyway, so it was coming to me leaving the armed forces and I went, right, who are the offensive security uh, companies out there? Sense Post and MWR stood out for me at that time. Um, So I applied to both of them and I said, hey guys, you know, are there any jobs going? Uh, And within 24 hours, I had Mr. Cuthbert call me and say, get your ass to London. We want you to come and spend a bit of time with us. You know, let's see if you fit into the team. Mm. Uh, and honestly, that that's where my off-sec uh, kind of career took off. Um, so, yeah, so I joined SensePost. Post, spent, uh, I think, about five years there. Uh, I went from a junior uh, to senior to actually running the team in London at SensePost and every second of it um, I left SensePost because I wanted a change in my career to do more hardware hacking Um, uh, and this was only a few years ago and the guys that did hardware hacking were PTP and you know the guys at PTP really treated me well and that's where I met Andy and a lot of other people and I learnt a fucking ton and some of the jobs were brilliant absolutely brilliant I'd love to talk about some of them uh, I don't know if I can, and to such a degree. Andy, yep. what do you think about the Prague one? You reckon I could talk about it, but not the client?
0: Probably probably not mention the client. Well, we'll come yet. on I to that in a bit okay. then. It's really be, really interesting. That, that's part yeah.
1: of one of the other questions. But yeah, so um, I did a, a stint at Pentest Partners. Absolutely loved it. Loved the guys, loved what we were doing. Uh, but unfortunately, I fell out of love with consultancy. Um, you know, and I felt like I'd been doing consultancy for a very long time, really long time. Um, and I just fell out of love with shitty clients. Mainly that was it. Shitty, shitty clients that can't be on time, that can't do the right things, that can't get you access, you know, or cancel meetings and stuff like this. And I, I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. So I said, look, you know, I love you guys to bits, but enough is enough. You are a consultancy and, Uh, what we both want is too different now so I'm going to go elsewhere Um, and now I work for a global uh, a global bank uh, and in a research role and it's fucking brilliant honestly I love it but (laughs) if anyone said to me and and one of your questions uh, we'll come on to it later but if you really want to get into Infosec you have to do consultancy work to really understand what Infosec is They don't have to stay there it's not the be all and end all but it will teach you a fuck ton and absolutely a fuck ton and you get to work with people like Andy that brighten up your day when they try and (laughs) take down fucking global conglomerates of oil
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that was fucking (laughs) hilarious (laughs) this one time in Aberdeen (laughs) oh dear
1: yeah, was, and, keeps, was... it, it, and people like and keep me away from uh, junkies trying to ask me questions. I thought he was just being friendly. Oh, that
2: was also. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, I uh, that was a really really interesting like the the story of your life basically Stu, because I'm sure there's a lot of people uh, that could be in a very very similar situation like to yourself in the sense of they're maybe in the armed forces. Yeah. maybe they're discharged right? Yeah. and then I'd imagine that's a horrible moment for people when they go, but this was the plan like, I don't know what I'm going to do yeah, next mate. and they are looking for something else and so,
1: Yeah I, I, 100% yes there is and a lot of people who I still talk to that have come out or are coming out they feel like there's a process within the armed forces that helps you become a civilian and it's great yeah. and it's great to a degree once you hit that degree it's kind of, mm, uh, right, okay, what do I do now? Um, yep. But anyone looking to get an InfoSec, guys, you've got 90% of the skills already. because. And one thing with the military is when I joined, I was always told about the Russian stood in the bar with his trench coat on, with his collar up, listening to your communications. So it's drilled into you from day one, that OPSEC. Security, privacy—you know—all this kind of stuff. For them to come into the industry, they know ninety percent of it already. Do you know what I mean? So, fair
2: point. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: I mean, on on the on the flip side of that people who maybe aren't in the armed forces, I, I, I've i never been in the armed forces, I've never been in the army or anything, but I have read a lot of books about it. And obviously books aren't representative of reality, but there's a really good book called Left of Bang, which is about the kind of US Marines, and talks yeah. about that mentality of when you are left of bang, when shit is about to kick off and actually like kind of surveying a room. And it's, it's quite, Directly applicable to things like social engineering. So when you're in a situation where it's maybe you're uncomfortable, but you can kind of spot what people are doing and start to kind of understand what's going on, and the yeah. mentality is directly applicable. Situ-
2: so situational good. awareness, like, uh, like I'd imagine that is a massive, massive part of being in the armed forces, and as I'd imagine, not just social engineering, but everything, like right? being observant, knowing the task at hand. Like, yeah, uh, you know, let's not labour on this too much, but. There's there's benefits
1: of being in the armed forces of what it teaches you, but it mm-hmm. also there's some disadvantages of being in the armed forces because of what you don't get to experience. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and how about we get onto the the question that was asked by FC last time? Um, because I think that will fit in right right just about now. Um, FC said,
0: "Yep, uh, this is not
1: secure one." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. Nice and long with a carrot, uppercase, uppercase. lowercase. No, he said, you know, uh, what's the biggest regret in your career? In my career, I don't have any regrets. I don't. Um, If I regret something, uh, then I've really fucked up somewhere along the line. You should never regret your choices because you need to remember everything you do. Happens for a reason and it will take you to the next place. And I think more people need to understand that is whatever you're doing right now, whatever you're going through, whatever is happening, whether it's personal or in your career, it's going to take you to the next place. All right. So for me, I don't regret anything I've done in my career. One thing I do regret is in my personal life. I wish I was more educated Uh, Because then I feel that if I was more educated, I may be able to understand things a little bit better when I'm trying to learn them. Um, And Mm -hmm. when I'm talking to people, you know, um, you can have really good conversations with people, but if they talk on a, what's the word I'm looking for, on a bit more of a technical aspect, I kind of get lost a little bit and I know I switch Mm -hmm. off then and I'm kind of like, Fuck! I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. I get the gist.
0: Well, like sit, sitting down with Cyber Gibbons and Wade, for example, and just going through shit. Yeah,
1: kind of, yeah. But the, like, you know, those two can dumb it down enough for me to, you know, what the, know what the fucking talking about. Literally, if they just get out the you know the old uh, square, circle, and uh, triangle blocks and say that's that stew, yeah. this is that stew, and they go in those <laughs> fucking holes. I'm like, yeah, winner. Well, no, I know what you're talking about now. Um, but. When you talk at an academic level of higher university, I get lost. And I do, and that's just me, but that's where I feel. Mm-hmm. That potentially I missed out on that because I didn't do the education thing. I fucking yeah. hated education when
2: I was younger. So for me, I yeah, missed out nice on it, uh, it took me until probably like, I was probably it was probably fourth year before I realistically went. I really enjoy education, like so. Yeah. But that was when I was like twenty three. So everything before that was just an absolute grind. Like, yeah, I did man, not enjoy I, it. Like, I, I was looking for the te- technical it. fun stuff.
1: Uh, but you know, like now, I'm doing more learning than I've ever done in my life.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too, hundred percent. Everything, And
1: it's, it's a habit. Yeah, man, and I think. <laughs> I think as you go through life and what you experience and what you do, you always have that thirst for knowledge. If you don't, I feel like you're missing something. But that's just personally coming from me. You know, the more you learn, the better you are at going to the next stage. Do you know what I mean? Because you can align better. Uh, but
2: anyway. I think this will be a different... I think from what I've gathered so far, and I can absolutely be wrong because I'm an absolute scrub... <laughs> scrub. <laughs> like, I would say the one the one thing that would be if someone's thinking about getting into infosec, like it would be see if you don't have a passion for learning like, and learning all the time. Yeah, it's like, going to say man. Anyone cannot do anything, but it is going to be difficult. Like, ev- like you're going to have most. We've said it a bunch of times. Most of the time, you're spending your life googling. Like yeah. and it might be googling stuff you already know. Yeah, like, all, to make sure all the
1: time. That, all the time and and, you know we've always had the we've always had the um the opinion of i can teach you how to hack at a very high level i really can but i need you to think evil a lot of the time (laughs) um i i need that melody and that mentality unfortunately has that learning aspect you need to be able to learn things and take things in and have that self-education because if you don't i mean andy you've experienced it dave i'm pretty sure you've experienced i know i have is it you take a week off holy fuck, it's a lot of catching up because we move at a serious pace and if you don't keep up and it's it's difficult to some days now over this christmas period i said i am not doing anything work related but you know what i fucking because i needed to keep up with stuff and it's that constant yeah. education. I think the infosec um, uh, mentality, as we will call it, um, breeds learning and breeds that want yeah. to learn more and be
2: better and become better. And yeah. I don't want to use that this term. That becomes quite organic, I think, as well. Why? Like, uh, like, I wouldn't have necessarily said I started. I guess I started off a lot of passion, but not necessarily a passion. That's it. You've just said the right word. In the amounts. Like I've been doing, but then, it, but it grows and it festers. Like once you learn a little bit, and you're like, oh, but I could just do a little bit more yeah. studying and before you know it, It's two AM, <laughs> and you got to work. Yeah. At seven. And, that,
1: and you've just said the right word there. That it's a passion, and unfortunately, um, it is. <laughs> Infosec is a way of life, and you need the passion for it. Yeah. If you lose yeah. passion for it, it's going to get really shit really quick. Um, and I think that ties in very much with. Burnout. You might have all the passion in the fucking world and you learn as much as you can, but you need to understand that there is an element of burnout with that. So just be aware of it. But yeah, look, you know, I don't want to use the term knowledge is power because it's not right. Knowledge gets you where you want to be. It's not power at all.
2: Burnouts, burnout, burnout sucks. Oh fuck um, yeah! And I've, I've, it's, like a hell, it's, it's a great game. It's a crazy game. But, uh, yeah, like I, I, when I so I, I was basically starting with when I started out like g- good computer knowledge. Like I mean, I could do pretty much anything on a Windows a Windows computer. Just didn't know much about you know enterprise networks because I've I never had the need to really know that stuff. Uh, but like. I was just trying to cram in so much learning for the first maybe th- uh, three months. Yeah. So and that was every day relentless, and I loved it. It was great. Like I had a really and that that, that was why I had a lot of time off, and then I got a job, and I was continuing that um, exact same mentality. I'd be working all day and coming home and just doing it, I, you know, going again. Yeah. Like, oh God, time. mate! I did that. But, I did that for many years, but you know. Yeah, uh, and it's easy. It is but, easy. Uh, but you need that. A- ma- the one thing I want to say for my manager, um, my business manager at my company, uh, uh, Kevin, um, is he, I think it's great especially if you're in an office to have somebody that can notice that like and i think it's quite important <clears throat> to see see it in other yeah, people yeah, right. and make it make it make it real by saying it out loud because he basically told me at one point because i was freaking out like over a lot of very small stuff and he's just like you need to take a sit, step back yeah, oh, right? fuck yeah. and you need to go home and not study and you need to do that for a couple of days because yeah, there's, there's only so long I know, I that you will sustain home. that and yeah. sustain it at a healthy yeah, level exactly yeah 100% percent you got to stay got to stay healthy oh, no, you're yeah. not used to anybody <laughs> yourself or anybody else
0: well, it's, it, it, it's also important like I'm a massive advocate for having yep. escapes and doing things like Stu's yep. got race cars he's got bits and pieces uh, Dave you've mm-hmm. got like music I've got a car I go out and kick people in the head yes, in the like... street because I feel like it correct uh, yeah, because you can because yeah correct <laughs> because just... yeah. I can yeah but it's it's a massive point that like being able to escape from InfoSec but it, it, your, your rights to it is a way of life and you do live and breathe it and you do it's it, it, I, I think I tweeted it the other day InfoSec security is life security is love but it's true because like we, we live it we breathe it but it's important yeah. to take a step oh, back sure. yeah
2: absolutely it can be everything but right? se- nothing should ever be everything
0: seg segwaying into I suppose some of the questions we've covered quite a lot I mean we think we've been required for just over an hour now so we can, we can chop and change bits and pieces but like I suppose um, we got to your your career, which is really interesting. But I suppose the really interesting part is what's the favorite most your most favorite part of your current job? Like what what's what most interests you that
1: you can actually talk My about? My current job. <clears throat> I'm in a research role now, right yeah. now, uh, every day is different, very different. Um, one day it can be doing hardware, um, taking devices that are given to us. Breaking them down, analysing them, finding out what the fuck they do. Uh, other days mm-hmm. I can be doing RF hacking. Um, other days I can be building uh, websites and frameworks. Um, I can be reviewing a vendor. Absolutely all sorts. And do you know what I like about that? It's different. Every day yeah. is different. Yeah. Every day. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I'm not. For me, variety is a space life. For me, you know, I loved. <laughs> learning as much as I could about web app hacking, application apping, hacking, while hacking, the whole consultancy thing, you know, give everything a try because it, you will learn from it. But what I like now is being able to go, I need to learn this to a high level. What is happening? Why is it happening? What can I do? And it's not, I'm not finding vulnerabilities. You know, I think those days are gone of me actually hacking shit to pieces and going, I got DA, or I got Enterprise Admin, or I got this, that, and the other. I got this, (laughs) you know, uh, root shell on this Linux box that's been out of date for 20 years. I think those days are past me. I don't regret them, but I think they're past me. What it is now Mm -hmm. and what it feels like to me is we go, as a group, the team I'm in, we go, here's a problem. Here's a problem not only for us as a a global bank, but it is a problem for everybody, every bank, how do we fix it, how can we make it better, how can we change things so it is better, you know, uh, coding, secure coding is huge right now, Um, why is it not better, I'll tell you why, Stack Overflow, there you go, Fucking simple as that. Stack over. Well, Copy and paste. That's why it's not fucking better. But you know, stuff like that. Right, there's a problem. How do we fix it? But how do we fix it on a level that affects everybody? And everybody can either learn yeah. from it or move with it move with it to make things better. So we don't keep going back to the same fucking issues. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of what I like about mm. it. It's 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 a puzzle. Our job is a puzzle. You see a problem and you fix it. Simple as that. Um, And it doesn't matter where you come from and what kind of infosec job you do, you are fixing people's uh, puzzles and someone is paying you for it. Puddles, puzzles, whatever. (laughs) But you know what I mean? That's kind of why I like it so much. I don't think I'll ever leave infosec fully, but I think there will be a time when I go to know I'm happy, I can retire, or I can do this, that and the other, but I will always do infosec to a degree and it might be personal research yeah. it might be I don't know I really don't know but
2: yeah but it's you have absolute endless possibilities yeah. of what you can end up doing with a skill set and that, that's what I'm, i absolutely <clears throat> I love about. do and not saying, know uh, that every, what I'm yeah.
1: going to be doing in a year's time I don't know what I'm going to be looking yeah. at in a year's time I don't know if it's going to be... But
2: you'll be doing something. Like, and I, I think that's a great part of this exactly. as well. Like, it's, it's not like you're going to be, oh, I won't have a job next year, you know, I won't be able to afford stuff. Like, With this skill set, like, you, you'll probably be able to pick what you want to do and then you'll live a happy life the thing is, mate, because if, you're getting to do that. If though. you are
1: in Infosec and you are eager to learn and you are eager to upskill and push forward, for me, and a lot of people will disagree with this, uh, and call me out on it if you think. How can you be without a job in InfoSec when it's the shortage? I suppose but I am you're a, cunt. a <laughs> massive
0: Yeah, yeah but no. you're you're a you're a you're a decent cunt though, that yeah, that's yeah. different. Like that there are people who have the social <laughs> netitude of a fucking civ and are
2: just leaking. Or... <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, just, just leaking. But no, they're, they're, just, they're just like it's like this. Dist- uh, I hate the uh, phrase, but it's it, actually it's a fucking awesome phrase. It's basically distilled autism. It, it's, it's, it's applicable throughout the industry. But people who have re- that are really high functioning on the spectrum sometimes just don't fit into companies. But it's not to say that they will be without a job. Sometimes they could get maybe a research job or something else. But it's important to understand no, that consultancy no, isn't everything. And I think yeah, can- this hammered that home but to be a consultant you need to be able to speak to people and if you can't speak oh, to fuck people
1: if you can't communicate to the client then you're going to struggle you are unfortunately but there's always a role it doesn't yeah. matter what you do in infosec there's always a role whether you are the most unsociable bastard on this planet guess what I've got a role for you I just need you to have that mentality of move forward learn create and solve that puzzle if you could do that in InfoSec you can you can can make it you can and it doesn't matter whether you do bug bounties it doesn't matter if you're just doing it in your spare time you want to learn more whatever it is you can keep moving forward because if you can't find something interesting in InfoSec then it really isn't the fucking industry for you
2: yeah that's fair advice no absolutely Um, so you Talk, talking about earlier a bit um uh, kind of but i suppose moving on to a slightly different area of infosec um in regards to security and um just both in business and just your day-to-day person uh, what what are your tips for encouraging people to take their security more seriously because obviously you're wanting to write a book yourself so you've obviously got you know, some drive to do exactly that. Like you wouldn't write a book without that mentality. So uh, just what are your kind of views on that? And if you want to tie that into obviously what you're doing for your book, then. Um, No, I'll keep it separate from the book. My tips. Mm -hmm. Don't rely on vendors.
1: Don't rely on a vendor to provide your fucking security. All right. What I mean by that is do not buy a 10 million pound investment into a Vendor, because a vendor is not going to make you secure. It's as simple as that. That's one. Second thing is, think about security at a personal level. It's about you at the end of the day. If you can secure you, what you do, and how you do it, you're going to do it at work. You're going to do it at home. You, you're going to start yep. pushing that. That mentality onto your families, your friends, and they will have that understanding. And it is all about education. My friends hate me. They do. I'm sure they hate me because I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Please don't do that. Like uh, one friend, he was like, oh, I lost, I got hacked and lost my Facebook account. I was like, okay, how did they do that? Oh well, they got in my email. Hi, well, do you not think you should change password? Nah, I can't bother. Dude, come on now you know I, I can't let yeah, you not go through that again and again and again Let's yeah. just that and
2: it's because it could yeah. be worse it could
1: be exactly. so much worse than your face mate. exactly so it is <laughs> yeah. it
2: is a struggle, is a struggle. Uh, a struggle I had yeah, it's. I mean, and it's a worthy fight though. And that's the thing. Like, I'm. I'm quite a few people who have came to me over the last in a couple of months or so, and just asked a couple of questions about. My little sister is an example, actually. Um, after I think she listened to our podcast and she gave me a, uh, just messaged me saying. Uh, oh no sorry, our Netflix account got hacked and she was asking you know, you know what the deal with that is and how to fix it. Like <laughs> and yeah, like a fifteen minute conversation and fifteen minutes of your time and the difference exactly. that can make to somebody's security if you're willing to give it to them, like and everybody I think you've got a responsibility to do it, like at least to your fucking yeah, love. Oh points. god, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like hundred percent. So I'll give you yeah. an example. Yeah, I'll give ed- you an example.
0: An My itself.
1: grandfather, bless him. Um he was in the hospital uh, just before Christmas. He's He's been diagnosed with stomach cancer. And he said to me, he said, look, Stu, I need to get shit sorted. You know, the inevitable is coming at some point, but I need to get my shit together. All mm-hmm. oh, right, what do you want to do? He said, right, I need I, I need to move to internet banking because they're shutting my local branch, and I need to make sure that the wife can get access to the account when I am gone. I'm like, right, okay, look, let's sort this out. There's a practical way of doing this, you know, we don't want anybody being locked out. We don't want her to have to suffer because bills aren't being paid and stuff like that and so on and so forth. So I spent hours and hours and hours with him writing out a plan saying, hey, well, you know, what about this? Have you got your pension sorted? What about this? Does she have this information? Can she get to that? Can she do this? And do you know, afterwards, after, you know, all of that time sitting down with him and my grandmother, he was at ease. He was like, do you know what? I know she will be okay because you yeah. have put the time in to help us out, help it securely. So Joe Bloggs isn't going to come and hack their account because you're using password one and we can get on with our lives together and not have
2: to worry about it. Peace of mind. Well, that's yeah, the yeah. phrase that comes to mind, uh, you know, absolute peace of mind. And, rather than maybe keeping your head in the sand uh, uh, with these issues. Yeah, it's just waking up a wee bit. No, that's nice. It's nice to, obviously, that must have felt good helping them get that sort of thing. Yeah, I
1: mean, you you know, you do whatever you can for your loved ones, don't you? Uh, Depending on your relationship with them. Absolutely. But you do what you can, regardless, Mm -hmm. they're
2: family and friends. And the minimum that anyone listening to this can do is if you know for a fact that your family are not using something along the lines of uh, secure passwords or use the same password for everything, just go tell them yeah. and go help them. Maybe. Educate them, guys. <laughs> that, that, that would be the message they have to give. Educate, educate, yeah. educate, educate. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And don't uh, let yeah. people use IE um, either. Yeah. Friends don't let f- <laughs> it,
0: I, yeah. Don't let friends use <laughs> IE. Not even once. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so... we've got time for a few more questions. Uh, the kind of the kind of points. I mean, we've spoken for ages. It's going to be a great, yeah, it's, a, it's sure. a great podcast. But it's going to be a great episode. Um, like we we asked Twitter some questions, that, or we asked Twitter for questions this time. We got quite a, quite a few. Um, so I suppose the first one is uh, we spoke about this earlier on Stu Is why why is OSCP a benchmark for getting into the industry? Or why is it why is it kind of renowned just to give a, a bit of
2: context for anyone that doesn't know what oscp is um it's kind of the would you say the entry level uh, qualification by like, uh arguably well
0: we're about to yeah. work out what's what the qualific- benchmark so it might context.
1: not be accurate. it's just yeah. certainly the industry see
0: yes.
1: uh, and put a metric to it right i'm going to give you two both sides of the story here when i was at sense post and we were hiring people for the roles um We had a person turn up had done OSCP uh, very successfully, apparently. Uh, Got a great score. Uh, You know, and I know OSCP is not easy. I haven't done OSCP. Um, I don't expect to do OSCP. I don't feel I need to do OSCP. Okay, but I know guys, a lot of guys who have done it um, and really struggled at it. So I know it's not easy because these guys are hella fucking smart as well. Now they know their shit. Um, why did we use it as a metric for a job interview? The first thing is we used it because we wanted to hire somebody into a position where we knew that they had a defined set of skills. They had obviously done bits on the OSCP course and the exam that we knew we could rely on straight away. We're not starting at the bottom. Mm. All right? So we we hire this person, uh, we get them in, and it becomes very evident within a few days they did not do the OSCP. Somebody else did, Mm. under their name. Now this was a while ago, uh, quite a while ago, so I know things have changed. I know uh, the offset guys have changed the way they do stuff to stop this happening, and kudos to them. we used it as a metric because we wanted to fill a position that needed a skill set. Certs are great if you're going for a position that is not an entry position. Uh, I did not really want to say that, but <clears throat> if you're going for a position that is not entry level, expect to be quizzed on what you do know. All right. You wouldn't walk into a, a yeah. bank manager's position and go, well, have you done any bank managing before or any managing before? And you go, no. What do you think they're going to say? They're going to go, ah, well, uh, yep. how do you think you can manage your bank? Um, so there's got to be a defined metric there for us to go on. And that's why courses and exams and cert- uh, certs exist. I get it. We get it. Everybody fucking gets it. As a benchmark for getting into the industry, no, it is not. All right, I would happily hire somebody that can demonstrate the skills of thinking evil, thinking forward, and having that mental mentality of what we spoke about before, of solving that fucking problem. I would take them on every day instead of someone that can go, I have done OSCP, and that's all I've done. Do you know what I mean? Yes.
0: Or I've done the Lego yeah. landing. Well I did CEH. When one. I did CEH
1: when I was uh, in yeah. the military, it was one of our prerequisite courses that we had to do to do certain things. Alright. <clears throat> I did CEH. I spent all of my time watching that dude jump from space. That's it, that's all I did on CEH. And I still fucking passed. Alright. <laughs> that was entry level to me. But I get it, cert's have certs have a place in the industry. For certain jobs, right? Big nationals, big companies—they must get thousands of applications. They're just trying to pick the better person for that position. Sometimes it's not the right choice. Sometimes you are going to have to go through the grinder a little bit to get that job. It, it's just the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. I don't—I don't know. It, it's a difficult one for me because we did use certs as a metric, but we only used. Um, so, so we felt we're worthy and OSCP is a hard exam if you can do OSCP yeah. guess what you have a skill set not all of the skill set
2: but it's a skill set and we can expand on that so I was told I was told once that OSCP won't guarantee no. get you a job but it is likely to get you an interview assuming the rest of the package of, uh, of how you've put yourself forward is also yeah, good. Oh, like, God, you yeah, you know, it's, and it's not just I got OSCP, that's it. But
0: yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth clarifying as no, well. OSCP isn't the benchmark for all yep. of the industry. It's just it's just it, the it, benchmark yeah, that's it for pen testing. It's getting definitely. into things like SOC. pen testing isn't everything it's it's one thing that i mean i had this conversation on twitter um last year was about the skills shortage in industry and it's still applicable but people seem to see the skill shortage as just pen testing security is hell you try getting a iso
1: 27001 compliance audit done tomorrow not chance. why because the lead auditors do not exist why because they've all gone cisp yeah do you know what I mean? So there's there are yeah. certs required in the whole industry. And yes, if you do, you've do, done CISP, kudos to you because I fucking failed it and I hated every second of it. It wasn't for me. But there is a place in the industry for that. People who don't want to do the technical stuff generally like doing the compliancy stuff. I get it. And actually, yeah. I'm glad I yeah, did I'm the sure. courses because I actually learned a lot from them, but it didn't help me in yeah. my career path. I think what it comes down to, and whoever asked, asked this question, I thank you for asking the question. But for me, it is not a benchmark getting into the industry. It's a benchmark for specific roles inside
2: of the industry. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fair. Um what would be what would be your advice then for maybe for maybe the people that hear that? Who maybe thought to themselves, I know I thought this for a bit that I have to get OSCP to try and you know even get even get an interview." Um, so, what would your advice? Uh, and if that if that doesn't stand true, uh, what would your advice be instead for people to manage to to even get to the interview stage, maybe without that that certification? What what would you want be wanting to see so they they can even get a conversation with you for an interview, for example? Does that, if that, that makes be a sense. Cunt. So like, it's literally it, mate, <laughs> honestly.
1: You know, it's don't a be a, yeah. don't be an absolute dickbag. Um well, mm-hmm. I've interviewed a a lot of people. Um and, and the person interviewing you, all right, if they are a reputable company and they know what they're fucking talking about, and I'll give you an example. Uh we had a guy turn up for an interview, and I just said no. Why? Because he thought he was king fucking dick and had the attitude of an arsehole. And it doesn't fit yeah. in with what we wanted and what we needed at the time. It will in some places. Yeah. If you want to go work for a, a multinational, fine. They've got a the place for that. If you want to work for a niche team, smaller team, you've got to be humble. You've got to be present. You've got to be... Mm just a nice fucking person that's willing to turn and get with yeah. everyone if you can't it's going to be difficult for everybody not just you not just them yeah, I,
2: everybody you know what I mean so yeah the client at the end of the day the person paying yeah. the wage like you know uh, if you're, you're never going to hire somebody that you think is going to represent you in any way that's short of no you. mate Professional, why? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's, the, right. it's
1: a difficult one because I know there's a lot of people out there struggling to get into the industry, or potentially worrying they're not doing enough to get in the industry, or that they. We'll come on to this in a second. The uh, imposter syndrome made a big thing, big big thing of trying mm. to get into this industry. Is I will happily, look, if I was an employer, and I was employing people, for me, the people who i choose, you could come from any walk of life, any walk of life, you could be one of the most educated people with master's degrees, doctorates, whatever, I just need you to be a decent person, someone who's willing to learn, someone who wants to push forward, and someone who wants to make a change. If you can
2: fill those criteria, you can be taught anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, malleable, yeah, and ready to go. Like, right. I suppose that would be that, that's that, that's how I felt I was when I was really when I got my job, and I think I like to think that's something that my colleagues would probably say. And like, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's so important. It's just it's and, and, so and so I important. get some
1: people like, say I'm not that kind of person. I, I don't really like socialising. I sit in the dark. I you know, um, I've got certain conditions guys look please don't define yourself and limit yourself because of what's going on limit yourself because you've not pushed yourself to the next stage you can always push yourself to the next stage always mm. don't let anybody yep. tell no, you you fucking can't because yeah, if they
2: tell you you can't yep. guess what they've given up yep. but anyway yeah. and you can be better than that <clears throat> yeah you've just yeah you've got you got to put the graft in but at the end of the day like you know you you put the graft in you'll get something out of it like right? yeah, so, you know but so yeah believe in yourself effectively like, that's really good advice yeah yeah exactly that exactly that that's
0: so- it I suppose the, the final part of Woo! the podcast and i've now been recording for an hour and a half but we might chop and change it up or or split it into two episodes we'll see is uh like what what would be your question for our next guest and who would you think our next who guest do i be?
1: think your next guest should be wow 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 wow, wow. that's mm-hmm. a oh yeah You're on the spot you really have.
0: it can be multiple people it doesn't need to be just one person but like we uh, we've been asking folk at the end of the podcast who they'd let like to see on next let me have to a think about next... that
1: one for a few minutes let's go to a different question quick what's
0: so. uh okay what what question mm. do you want to ask mm. whoever our next guest is regardless of who they are
1: define risk
2: Islands. define risk define risk mm, that's a good one
0: okay and, and going going off of uh, the tradition, you need to answer the question. Find as well. risk. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, so for me,
1: finding risk is your personal risk. Everybody has, has their own risk level. You know, I am not going to walk into an area that I don't feel safe in. That's me having a risk appetite and risk awareness, and that's me doing my threat modeling mm. as I do. You know. Um risk, define risk <clears throat> I don't know what the actual terminology is for it and what it actually means to, but to me risk is something that you knows happening or is going to happen or could happen and there's a probability to
2: it do you know what I mean? I hope you know what I mean. I'm yeah, really yeah, shit sure at this stuff, but yeah. No probability is the word doesn't it? Like, you know because like, yeah, I could have a risk of <sighs> no, am one spot, like you could, yeah, it, it, a, a risk. It depends how probable it is yeah, yeah. that that's going to happen, and whether or not you need to mitigate for that risk. Is it important? Like, you know, like is the tinfoil hat worthy at that moment in time? Yeah. Like, is your stuff? What is it you're trying to protect, I suppose? So, you know, risk for me is,
1: right, I'm going to walk out my house and walk down to the co-op. There's three roads in between me and the co-op. There's three chances Mm -hmm. there that I may be knocked down by a car. I reduce my risk by understanding how the fucking network works and road safety and not walking in the middle of the fucking road. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, it's education, it's... That's all it comes fucking down to. Noted. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it so... Really does.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. So, your guest, who
1: do you think? I really... As I, said, I really <laughs> want you to get Cyber Gibbons on. And it's not because we we work with right. him, yeah. or have worked with him. He, for me, is... Dude,
0: honestly, really fucking interesting guy. Let's
1: try not getting him onto the subject of bananas. It's freakishly weird how much he knows about fucking bananas. But <laughs> fucking that dude hell. is one of the most interesting guys I've ever met. But he's such a nice fucking guy. And I know a lot of people on the internet think he's a complete cunt. I'll agree. He is a complete cunt, but he's a nice Cunt. He's honestly one of the most genuine people (laughs) I have ever met. He's a pleasant yourself, Andy. Honestly, guys, he is is one of the, (laughs) the nicest people I've ever met, and he's always willing to give you time if you're willing to learn from it. If you're willing to just sit there and argue with him. He's gonna rip you in the arsehole and prove you wrong instantly because he's very, very good at that. <laughs> and he is a he's like an encyclopedia yep. dictionary and Google in one. He is a fact walking person. Yeah. Um so you know, I never got into arguments with him. We had some disagreements on certain stuff. But he educated me enough that uh, okay, I I I see what you mean now. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah cyber givens.
0: Yeah, he's full full of interesting stories as well. Uh, like it I mean, if you follow on Twitter, if you if you don't follow on Twitter, go and follow him. But he like, shitpost a, a lot about well, it shit posts a lot to start with. But I think that's the key to key to success on Twitter i found that works when I post memes people <laughs> give a shit when I post security nobody gives a shit so let's...
2: no but thanks for the suggestion but um, certainly someone I follow on Twitter and um, seem, he does seem like a really interesting character so maybe that can be in the pipeline uh, you are also a really so. interesting character Stu um, I think there's been a lot of people that will resonate with a lot of your story a lot of people that will maybe you know take something from that and certainly there's a lot that I'm going to take from away from as well um, uh, is there anything you want to just uh, as a last minute kind of anything you want to plug anything uh, yeah you so want there's, to there's two about. thank you thank, thank you is there anything
0: else
1: one yeah. my major one um, I will always be in debt to one person in the industry uh, and that and that is Daniel Cuthbert I will always be in debt to him um, mm-hmm. we're very very good friends yes we're colleagues um, I will always be in debt to him for what he has done for me <clears throat> Uh, the second, thank you, both SensePost and Pentest Partners. Um, both, if you are looking to get into consultancy, both consultancies offer great placements. This is where some people are going to disagree. Some people won't like it, but if you really want to get into heavy offensive security based. Centre Post caters for that massively and they have such a skill set and I learned a lot of my skill set there if you really wanting to get into consultancy and the breadth of consultancy is some very interesting jobs i.e. having a gun pointed at you go to Pentest Partners because they have that. <laughs> no it doesn't happen I have it on, it every, does, job. Doesn't, doesn't happen on every job it's just a one-off job just to clarify um, yeah and that's where that'll lie But Pentest Partners is a great consultancy, great guys. Um, If you're thinking about going to a consultancy, they're my two preferences because I've been there and I've experienced them. There are hundreds more. Um, uh, For the other consultancies listening to this, I'm not saying don't go to them. Everyone has different needs, and there are thousands of consultancies out there with different things for different people. Um, But they're the two I've been at, and I can't thank them both enough. Uh, for what they've provided to me. All right? So there's my thank yous. The only thing I want to say to finish this off guys and I've loved doing this podcast with you both is if you are wanting to get into this industry and you feel that you do not have the worth I really want you to take a step back. I really want you to evaluate why you think you're you don't have the worth. And tell yourself, you can fucking do it. Fucking just do it. There is a lot of people out there that have a lot of shit going on each and every day. We all do. And there's a lot of people out there that struggle. We all do. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid of having the wrong answer. But have enough about yourself... To just go and fucking do it. It doesn't matter what it is. If you want to be one of the world's best criminal hackers and own a fucking botnet, go fucking do it. Just do it. Honestly, just go and fucking do it because (laughs) what you will learn from that and what you will experience will push you forward to whatever is coming next. If it's prison, unlucky you got caught. If it's not prison, you're going to do some fucking great stuff.
2: Uh You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. exactly that by, and that's absolutely I've seen far too many device.
1: people yeah, and uh, we get this a lot and all of us get this how do I get into the industry or struggling to get in the industry or where do I start you start by just doing it just go in and do it yep. You know, look at the tweets that we all put out get your go started. do some CTFs go do some practices pen test the labs whatever it is Doesn't matter. Watch some fucking YouTube videos. Ipsec. Holy shit. You want to learn how to hack? Watch Ipsec. He's fucking great. There's enough out there for everybody to learn and everyone will learn their own way. But don't be afraid. Just go fucking do it. Follow through. Go do it. Make a plan. Follow through. Go do it. You are you. Don't let anybody tell you you cannot fucking do it. Just go fucking
2: do it. I love that fucking attitude, man. Like 100%. Yeah. And um, yeah, honestly, I, this has been absolutely fantastic. I think we're on another yeah, sorry, I can't ramble, now, guys. Uh, which I think the longest one yeah, we've done. Pretty- no, it's not a case of rambling, man. Like, it's been absolutely fascinating. And uh, hopefully, we'll probably, I think there's quite a few people wanting to come back on for a future cast. Um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you'll be one of those two.
0: It might be. I mean, just just to say, it might be worth splitting this into two podcasts, having like episode seven, part one and part two, because podcasts, while yeah, they are and great, they're fucking donkey, long. So
1: sitting. I agree.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we very well might just do that. Um, so, um, thank you, thank you so much for You're your time. You're more than welcome. Really, really if anyone wants to contact me,
1: um, Twitter is the best place. But obviously, follow me because I don't allow random fucking DMs, you perverts. So. Follow me, and I'll follow you back. Generally, <laughs> um, ask me absolutely anything. No, one won't measure your penis length, but I will help you out as much as I can. <laughs>
2: what by measuring it? <laughs> <laughs> and on that, right, guys, <laughs> yeah. we're Ouija cast. This Thanks is of it.
0: Thank
2: you so much for your time. Bye.
0: Thanks, folks. Right, let's click stop.